0: Sorry for the interruption, folks, but I always do the last podcast of the season. This year, somebody told me not to, so I'm going to do my own kind of podcasting with a great partner who's not only a terrific podcaster, but somebody who taught me that you can subscribe. I haven't seen it on Apple and Spotify and follow us on social media at CNIT Pod. Dirty Dancing is coming up next.
1: Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevide. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that person is Tommy.
0: Yeah, I somehow have never seen Dirty Dancing Um I guess my older sister never really forced me into watching that or anything like that when I was younger, but I'm glad I did. I love this movie. <laughs> so,
1: for me, this is kind of like a a blank slate because I remember watching it when I was a kid, like when I was like nine or ten, and it's like oh, girls' movie. Gross.
0: Yeah, exactly. You, you...
1: <laughs> and uh, I kind of went in like outside of remembering like the the ending and like the come here, love boy scene, like outside of a couple of moments like that. Also, probably not understanding what an abortion was when I was nine or 10. Probably, yeah,
0: that probably flew right over your head. <laughs> probably
1: hindered like a good chunk of this movie because this movie is about it does revolve around an abortion for a big piece of it. Tommy, do you think you could ever dance like that if I gave you a week, non stop, eight hours a day practice? No, You
0: could um, never. So... So, I mean, you almost forget. I mean, like how I was when we did uh, theater in high school together, where um, I was always casting the roles where it's just like, yeah, okay, this kid can't dance. So, uh, high dialogue, no dancing. So, uh, I have two left feet practically. So, I am not a good dancer, but watched this movie. It was like, oh shit, I wish I could dance like that.
1: <laughs> well, Tommy, I just remember you casting the roles where you would have dialogue and no actual exactly. singing because you sing <laughs> no singing no dancing <laughs> you're banned from singing in my car man because you're tone deaf you just missed yeah. the note by you miss the note by like an octave and like five notes and it. it is it's like a car crash sometimes
0: it's, man. it's great it's, it's it's just awesome just because i love just pissing you off about it too
1: <laughs> i know you do you do you do find your way to do that but i guess we both do it to each other but this film is dirty dancing
0: every summer there's a movie that breaks away from it all this summer that movie is dirty dancing a
1: terrific film dances rings around footloose flash dance even saturday night fever joel siegel flash dance with heart the boston globe
0: this is saturday night fever with even more of a sensual connection
1: the la times dirty dancing is flash dance with a triple digit iq toronto globe and mail dirty dancing starring patrick Swayze and jennifer gray rated pg 13 now playing at a theater near you original soundtrack available on rca records and cassettes in this week's film, Dirty Dancing, Jeannie Bueller has decided she has had enough of her brother Ferris and leaves her identity behind, becoming baby houseman. She is now her father's favorite uh, child, till she is tempted by mach- macho hunk Johnny, who tempts her with his salacious dance moves. The film ends with Patrick Swayze auditioning to be a Chippendales dancer ten years after the divorce. Right, you could kind of look at that SNL sketch as like what happened to Johnny ten years after this movie ends,
0: <laughs> and just so uh, that's where he is. He's just like a stripper, practically, just like a uh, male dancer at some like a random club. But it's just like, oh god, Johnny helped, found some uh, hard times right there,
1: <laughs> getting absolutely upstaged by Chris Farley.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just Chris probably just going all off. <laughs> right
1: there. That that's what I believe happened. You can you can pick your Whoa. own. Endings of the movies, you know, 10 years later or whatever. But I'm,
0: I stand for it. So, Timmy, did, uh I had the time of my life. Uh, did you have the time of your life uh, watching this?
1: <laughs> I i had a very good time. Uh, the time of my life, though. I mean, listen. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever had the time of my life watching a movie, but, you know, to each their own. I, this movie is, it's a, it's a, I mean, listen, I, I, from somebody who is basically watching it blind again, even though I've definitely seen it at one point in my life, I really appreciated the writing. It's really strong writing. It's really strong characters that really carry this movie. I really appreciate the setting, the Catskills, because when I was a child for about a decade, my mom and like all of her friends from high school would take all their kids to this like to these crappy houses. It wasn't as nice as that. I'll tell you that much. Like yeah. you would stay in these crappy little like Irish lodges, which you thought was just to get away. But you realized the parents just wanted to pick a place that they could drink and oh, not I, have I, to worry about their kids and drive. And that was how I spent most Fourth of July's from during my upbringing.
0: <laughs> Stopping the cat skills. So uh...
1: <laughs> I feel bait I feel, bait, you know, I connect a baby in that way. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, so uh, Baby was actually based on, and a lot of this movie is based on, uh, the screenwriter, uh, Eleanor Bergstein. And basically, a lot of this is based on her childhood. So she was the younger daughter of a Jewish doctor from New York and spent summers with her family in the Catskills, where she was in dirty dancing competitions. And her nickname was also Baby at the time. So, you know, very (laughs) much just like based on her own experience. Uh, She decided to write the screenplay when she was... Running the screenplay for a Michael Douglas film called "It's uh, My Turn," and the producers cut out a scene of erotic, dirty dancing from the movie. Which is, you feel like Michael Douglas would have wanted to keep that in, knowing him.
1: <laughs> you know, he's our sex pervert on the podcast, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that's what we covered in Basic Instinct. So, but you know, once the producers cut that scene out, um, she pretty much was just like. Let me start thinking of a movie of, like, you know, as an inspiration to, like, my upbringing, like, you know, learning dirty dancing and stuff. So, and she based Johnny off some uh, dancer that she learned, uh, Michael Terrence, in the Catskills in 1985 when she was re- researching the movie. So, pretty much a lot of this is just based up personal experiences. So, and it's great. I mean, it's really relatable in that sense. Um, especially Jennifer Grey's character, uh, Baby, is just very much just like a very um, compelling protagonist right here and relatable.
1: And she's very she's very well written, very well defined, a character that comes from a very privileged background versus the stark contrast of Johnny, somebody that all he can really hope for to be in life is to get into a painter's union mm. and is trying to make his own way in this world, but doesn't get those advantages. You know, she, from her father's perspective, her father wants her, her to always make a difference in the world, to be a better person and to, to help those people but she slowly realizes throughout the film her father's definition of that was to become a doctor to become a lawyer to serve in a higher society versus helping people who need it and the the you know the first 20 minutes is just setting the scene of this movie seeing the staff seeing the kind of tenants that would be at these kind of caskills lodges wayne knight makes a lovely appearance
0: I didn't know Wayne Knight was in this picture. That was the first thing I texted you when I watched this. So uh, this is like one of his first movies, I think.
1: <laughs> it's got to be one of his first movies, and I mean, this is like, and this is also this is the breakout for Patrick Swayze. I mean, he had Red Dawn before this, but this made him an A list. <laughs> you're talking,
0: to, you're talking down Red Dawn a lot, right there.
1: I'm so. not talking it down. I'm just saying, 40 we we're, we're sitting thirty five years after the fact, Tommy. Which movie is bigger, Dirty Dancing or Red Dawn?
0: I mean, dirty dancing, but uh, uh, Red Dawn's so iconic in its own right right there. Um, but yeah, so basically, it's funny because uh, Jennifer Grey was also in Red Dawn, and apparently, she initially didn't want to be in this movie because of, they didn't get along on the set of Dirty of Dan- uh, Red Dawn like at all. <laughs> and really? Patrick Swayze had it. Yeah, Patrick Swayze had to convince her. She was like, "Okay, come on." Like, you know, you uh, they had apparently a screen test together where it just like the chemistry was like electric and it really bounced off the screen, and so they just had to convince themselves like okay we'll do it for the work and maybe we'll get along better.
1: <laughs> I wanted to say that cuz I that is easily in my opinion the the strongest part of this is their chemistry. Yeah, and to provide plot of it Johnny Castle is the lead dance instructor. He leads a dance company that performs up there for these different venues and his partner is Penny Johnson, who was a former Rockette who discovers that she is pregnant and needs to get an abortion and baby decides to learn how to dance to fill in because she wouldn't be able to get the procedure without somebody filling in. Cause she wouldn't be able to make the performance that she had to fill in that day. Mm-hmm. And I think this scene, this is right after the dance scene, but they get back. Penny had the abortion, but it was the dirty abortion because this is the early sixties. There's no Roe v Wade pass at this time. And Penny decides to get her father to come help because she just sees somebody and help. And he, she goes to see Johnny afterwards, you know, fully infatuated. I, I would even say, even from the very first time she lays eyes on Johnny, you can tell that she's immediately attracted to him. Yeah. And I just think this shows, like, great characterization between the two of them, like a great understanding of each other and a, and just, like, really great performances in, like, a more... In a lighter sense. Not lighter, I don't know. In a romantic sense.
0: I'm sorry about the way my father treated you.
1: Oh, your father was great. He was great. The way he took care of Penny. Yes,
0: but I mean the way he was with you. It's really me it has to do with. Johnny, I came here because my father. No, the way he saved her. I mean, I, I could never do anything like that. That was something. That, I mean, the reason people treat me like I'm nothing is because I'm nothing. That's not true. You, you're everything. You don't understand the way it is. I mean, for somebody like me, last month I'm, I, I'm eating juju bees to keep alive. This month women are stuffing diamonds in my pockets. I'm balancing on shit, and as quick as that I could be down there again. No, it, it's not the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way. I've never known anybody like you. You look at the world and you think you can make it better. Somebody's lost, you find him. Somebody's bleeding can and you Yeah, go get my daddy that's really brave, like you said. That took a lot of guts to go to him. I mean, you are not scared of anything. I don't... Me? Know... I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of what I saw, I'm scared of what I did, of who I am. And most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. so um i feel like that scene must have been a very easy one for them to um you know perform right there because of how much they just like were at each other's throats to find they were apparently like quick uh, they're facing off before every scene so it was just like at some points during production so that's how bad it was <laughs> so the argument scenes so it was probably just like okay yeah cool we can get it out of the way right now just fuck you
1: <laughs> but it was, but it's not even but like i guess hate is not always a bad thing and i think sometimes you find that a lot of really great like on-screen chemistries like the actors hated each other's guts but that line between love and hate is like a very gray area and when you have like a passion towards somebody whether it be hate or love you can if you're a good performer you can inverse that and make the the other side of it come through which I think is definitely the case in this scene and I I think it it shows that like Johnny for somebody who comes off as macho man, as man who could bang every woman on that property, he fully understands baby. Like, he understands who she is and how they are from such different places, which is what she really struggles to see. Like, she doesn't understand that the his background is so much different than hers.
0: She's, like, a very much a naive little, like, kid. She's, like, 17, um, which... <laughs> Which the movie just made it eighteen and stuff, whatever.
1: Did they not <laughs> make small. it eighteen? I thought it was made eighteen, but you know that's the eighties, man. Nobody cared back then.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, so you know, it didn't really affect that much. But as one. of like, yeah. But yeah, she's basically just like a very naive. She's in her own little bubble, and Patrick Swayze is the person that really shows her, like, you're very freaking privileged. You know, like you're very much just like you don't know how great you have it.
1: <laughs> you you even see it. The passion. Um, Robbie is like I not really an antagonist but he's like the he's the dickhead in the movie he's the guy who gets penny pregnant and then he turns his he's he's a waiter there who's attending yale school of medicine so to all the adults of course he's like the the promising one right he's the one that you would want your daughter to go out with yeah because he's he's got this background but he you know there's one scene early on where you see lisa and robbie walking and And I think Penny and the other dude that she was like the dude that was trying to court her unsuccessfully. You know which guy I'm talking about?
0: The grandfather, uh, the uh, the grandson. Yeah, the the (laughs) the, the owner.
1: Yeah, Neil Neil. Yeah, was was trying to like court her and was just like just such like a stuck up nerd that I'm sorry, but they watch it and and like you could tell that he was like trying to take full advantage of her.
0: Yeah exactly just showing off his power and everything i feel like every 80s movie um especially like in in a somewhat comedy realm or whatever um had like the stereotypical arch type of like the snobby rich creep douchebag um right there so i mean like you know caddy shack is another example
1: well he wasn't Uh, really (laughs) rich he was just he was out of all the people out of all the people on the or i guess if he was yeah no that's neil who was like kind of like the rich snobby but he wasn't like a creep robbie was the one who was a creep but he was just a waiter on the staff like he didn't he didn't have the same privilege he was just smarter well so
0: he was he was the ivy league type so i mean that's another thing of just like snobby like elite or whatever right there was um, like taking down, downwards just like oh fuck this and I, I thought the other guy was kind of a creep too i mean like he was like saying like oh you know none of the parents are going to be mad if you're seen out alone with me or something like that and it's like uh, all right <laughs> he he's a
1: he's a creep but in in a way that like he doesn't actually know how to he doesn't know how to talk to women it's like very clear that he doesn't know how to like flirt or hit on them at this point in his life and he thinks like with all these like rich girls who all seek their father's approval like for someone like for that arch type of a person he thinks oh me telling them that like you walking around with me is no problem if if we get a little handsy or whatever and it's like, that's not suave, man. That's just... Yeah,
0: that's just weird and, like, off-putting.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's off-putting. He's not, like, a creep. And where Robbie is very much, like, the creep antagonist. Like, there's one scene where Baby's pouring water with him because she's asking him to give money for the abortion. And he's like, oh, it's not my problem anymore, you know? Like, which is, like, such an awful thing to say if you get somebody pregnant. It's being like, eh, no skin off my dad. And you see, like, great, like, those the little sass that baby has. She just pours the water on his brush, being like, Stay away from me. Stay away from my sister. Don't even think yeah. about getting close to us.
0: It's great that there's that little subplot of like the sister trying to sleep with Robbie, not realizing how much of a creep he is. I don't even know if she cares. <laughs>
1: she's she, baby's naive. She is extremely naive, the sister. Yeah. She's the one, which in, is funny. Yeah. And talented older
0: sister. Yeah.
1: Singing, uh, and she's like a horrendous singer. And
0: she, <laughs> even I could tell that was bad singing to me. You know, I, I I have an ear uh, occasionally for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. You, you know you can bad <laughs> recognizes bad as they
0: say. Exactly, right? talent recognizes talent. is like what I like to say.
1: <laughs> but you know, she's like, I decided I'm gonna sleep with Robbie. Like she tells Baby this, and she, and Baby had said to her, being like, Hey, like wait for somebody special. Like don't don't mm. just do this just for the sake of doing it. But she decides to go for it anyway. She walks in, and Vivian Pressman, the the woman who was trying to sleep with every male, like the the yeah. wife of some rich dude that was never around, who was trying to sleep with every young guy on that campus, was was lying on top of him. And and then, but she when she walks out in the morning, she sees that Johnny, and baby, are kissing, and she decides to to tattle on Johnny saying that he was the one who stole the money even though the scene before that you see him give the money he's like I have you know can you give my wife some dance lessons and he's like I'm sorry I'm all booked up I wouldn't feel right taking this money like Johnny does have like a code of honor to him where you wouldn't necessarily think it because like you're kind of introduced to him you know all the waiters are in like formal attire he walks in in like the black greaser with the jacket and the sunglasses the slicked back hair Right, like he kind of comes off as like the bad boy, but he's really like a a soft a sweetie and a softy at the heart.
0: Once you get past exterior we where like uh you can see why, at first that um you know uh, baby's dad just assumes this guy's like some real scumbag because you know he kind of he kind of looks the part a little bit, but you don't realize that what's underneath there. as like actually a good person. So this is a little bit off topic, but this movie was filmed during the heat wave. Uh, we're kind of recording during the heat wave.
1: You mean summer?
0: Yeah, exactly. Called Summer right now, where it's just fucking hot. But no, this movie apparently was like filmed at like uh, temperatures as high as like hundred and twenty five uh degrees Fahrenheit. And just so you imagine like the characters then like full out and suit some some of the characters, like especially like the male uh, male guys. And apparently uh ten people passed out in twenty minutes of shooting one day. So just people just dropping like flies on the fucking set of dirty dancing of all the
1: Well they filmed this in September. So I have so this is my weird question slash response slash i could probably figure out an answer for this but i I don't have it actually i'm going to do it right now because you know jennifer gray patrick swayze outside of red dawn but that's it's also a little bit of like more of an ensemble where this really focuses on the two of them ferris bueller's day off comes the year comes out the year after that so i wonder from when she was cast because this started filming in september 86 yeah ferris bueller was released june 11th 1986 like what influence did this movie have on her getting cast because this movie was such a hit? Various I think,
0: I think that I think that at this point she was already chosen. At this point, uh, um, I do I mean, too, you know, yeah, she she definitely like already had that with the screen test with just Johnny, uh, with Patrick Swayze alone. She was fighting apparently Winona Ryder and uh Sarah Jessica Parker for the role. I think she was the right choice. I mean, Winona Ryder have been it would have made sense, but it would have felt more of like you know, Winona Ryder's like goth run essentially like heathers or something like that again where it's just the rebel daughter or whatever
1: <laughs> but baby's not your traditional rebel you know what i mean she's more yeah you she's like your good soul like i actually think sarah jessica parker would have been a pretty good ca- cast
0: for that yeah she would have done fine she, uh because like she would have been uh, appreciate that pretty well too um apparently it was for johnny it was val kilmer and benicio de toro were considered and then Billy Zane screen tested, but apparently he was like an awful awful dancer, so he didn't get the part.
1: (laughs) And Swayze was 34-year-old, 34 years old playing like a 24-year-old. Like you could definitely see the age difference between the two of them. It's like pretty stark in their faces. Those
0: those two those other actors were like younger too, but I guess Swayze was just like a great dancer because the director he said, Um, I don't want like us to like have body doubles for dancing scenes like they didn't flash dance.
1: (laughs) Well, that's the one thing we really haven't covered, is that it's like the dancing is just incredible. And like when you're really formally introduced to the the dirty dancing is when you kind of go up into the employees only club where they're all dancing. And I have a little clip, a little snippet from here. It's more of just setting the scene when you're first introduced to Penny and Johnny formally. It's just more to set the atmosphere, like the stark difference in the music, which is, you know, at the club they're playing these 40s, 50s ballads, very slow dance, very what you would expect of early 1960s Catskills Resort
0: yeah (laughs) nothing extreme
1: and then it's very starkly contrasted
0: yeah you think they were a couple wouldn't you are they nah not since we were kids
1: So the stark contrast of that, because most of it's visual, but it's more the the attitude of the music, something with a with a, a little rhythm, a little life to it, in yeah. contrast to the other music in the movie that that they have to dance to for the people at, that they're entertaining for. But I'm just thinking there, like the screenwriting is like they haven't been a couple since we were since we were little. And then it's just like the camera focuses in on Johnny and Penny dancing they're dancing super seductively over the top with incredible twist twirls and leaps, right? Like it's, it's really highlighting the two of them showing. And like, it is such a physical movie because it really does focus. So, so much of the movie is focused on dancing. Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Gray, and Cynthia Rhodes are all just fantastic dancers in this movie.
0: That, that scene in, uh, that we just played when I was, uh, as I said, this is my first time watching the movie. That scene gave me goosebumps at first. Just, first of all, that song is amazing. I love that song. Do you love me just the whole just general vibe of it we're just usually it's kind of like when we we're talking about west Side story earlier we open up the door into the dance hall scene it's, it's the same same uh kind of thing and just like that gave me immediate goosebumps where i was like oh my god this is just so like cool you want to be in there it sounds like it'd be fun yeah because you always think of the 60s and like the 50s other than like the counterculture hippie stuff like for the most part just very buttoned up and very just like You know, conservative and not really that much, and you don't realize that like there's all this other stuff going up. there at this time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's. I mean, that's like the that was the youth movement that turned into the hippie movement later after Vietnam. But they they even make like a very subtle reference because I think this is 1963. It's supposed to take place where Lisa's asking her father if Vietnam falls, will China be next? The movie is very subtly telling you like this time period is this very small window before the counterculture truly begins in like 1965, like not like around that area. And this movie had a $4.5 million budget. It grossed $210 million. Talk about a return on investment.
0: Yeah, seriously. I mean, apparently it was much of a slow burn at the box office where it just took a minute to get going right there. So, I mean, you can't imagine they expect this to be like what it became, which is one of the most iconic movies of the (laughs) eighties, if not like all time.
1: (laughs) We, we, we talked about a little bit, but like it's it, it really is the characters of Johnny and baby that are just so well defined. And I think baby's relationship with her father and how that becomes really strained and the father playing a much more prominent part in the movie than I think you would expect. If you're watching mm-hmm. this movie for the first time and like how serious, like kind of the the plot and like how their relationship starts is around something as controversial as an abortion which is you know in in, at that point it's still taboo to talk about today at that point it was utter scandal to have it yeah and the father putting aside his morals and just helping penny because she he saw somebody in need and that's where his disdain from johnny really comes from because he says who is responsible for this woman and johnny says i am but he meant it more as like a friend and a protector not as in the person yeah. that knocked her yeah, up. Yeah, no,
0: knocked her up. Yeah.
1: But he, you know, he, you know, father takes it that way. He's the wealthy businessman and or doctor. And Johnny's not going to try to talk back to him, try to convince him. And it's actually funny for somebody as smart as Robbie appears to be, he's the one who shoots him on in his own foot. Wow, man, thank you so much for helping uh, out with that penny situation. Uh, you know, you really did me a favor. And he's like, what do you mean, did you a favor? And that's when he, and he was like handing him a stack of money for school. And he's like,
0: oh, yeah, oh. that was a letter of recommendation or something. Yeah.
1: And he's like, oh, you're the one that did it. Pulls it away. Walks yeah. back. And
0: he <laughs> like said, just like all the time, just like, obviously, his character is like the villain of the movie. If there is a villain, um, and it's just like you need that come of him and just being like, OK, yeah, I'm an asshole. But it's just like, what a dipshit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you say like how do you say this to the you just say thank you so much it was wonderful meeting yeah. you this summer and you walk away but yeah. you know it shows that like just because you're book smart you know and it's the dichotomy of book smarts versus street smarts. somebody like johnny knows how to handle these difficult situations where someone like robbie is probably very well educated but not can't doesn't have lacks the social cues and the doesn't, social skills
0: the filter yeah even
1: Johnny, he, you know, after he gets caught for sleeping with babies, she makes the confession to save him from being con- known as a robber uh, on the campus. But he ultimately loses his job because you're not supposed to sleep with the patrons on the campus. And he tries to go to the father and just explain himself. And he's like, I know what kind of man you are. Like, you you knocked that girl up and made her get an abortion. He's like, and he, do- he doesn't try to like overtalk. And he goes, yeah, you would see it that way and walks away like he you know like that's 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 like that social intelligence that's there yeah. for that character that read the situation correctly and said i'm not changing this man's mind and it wasn't baby that tried to convince her father that he that he didn't knock her up or whatever it was the person he thought was an upstanding citizen that shot himself in the foot and made him realize showed it hey, yeah sh-. and he, there's a nice uh confession where he goes johnny I heard about robbie I, i'm sorry when i'm wrong i'm wrong and i admit it and he shakes he finally shakes his hand there's like it's a rule of three right like the first time he finally gives sh- the respect finally gives him the respect that he deserves and kind of nodding being like i understand why you're baby not bad ca- cares cares about you because you claim response like and like think about it in his perspective it's like you claimed responsibility for a woman as a friend not as a not as a not as somebody who actually, who, got her
0: knocked first. who
1: who committed the action. The guy who did it was nowhere to be. Was probably in bed with a different woman that night. And you also have a really nice moment between uh baby and and her father when after she finds out that you know she's no longer innocent and where baby says like but you know I lied to you but you lied to me too. You told me to be this great person, but you only meant it for people like us. You didn't mean it for everybody.
0: This movie has, like, so many scenes, like, that in particular, where, I mean, like, the emotional beats of this movie really hit hard. I mean, I was, I mean, I was a freaking crying during that scene. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is so rough. Or they just really take it to a level and they let you, like, just, like, have the characters just, you know, feel it out.
1: Yeah, it's definitely the emotional aspect of it is so strong, and I think that's what Keeps this movie so endearing is that it it does have that and it's like you really f- connect with these characters in a way a lot of movies even something like that I love like Ferris Bueller like you really only connect with Ferris because the movie's told entirely from his perspective
0: yeah this one this is, is different
1: this is such like an emotional core to this movie that yeah. that a lot of other teen teeny summer movie comedy whatever
0: just don't get it at all.
1: I don't have and um, yeah it's i think it's a big reason why this movie has stood this test of time
0: this movie at the end of it i know the pop culture is Moses of nobody's uh puts baby in the corner i thought i was gonna laugh and be corny at that line but at that end, at the end of the end scene where he lifts up uh, Jennifer gray you know i was fucking just beaming with like smiling like crazy when was it shouldn't have. i thought it was gonna be able to affect me that much but it didn't i was just Amelia was so connected to the character so I was like fuck yeah like, you, you do it baby
1: <laughs> and baby was actually sitting in the corner too that was nice
0: yeah <laughs> in the actual corner it's a visual medium so you see her
1: actually against a wall
0: it's filmmaking baby
1: <laughs> filmmaking 101
0: I am a star I'm a star I'm a star I'm a star
1: I am a big bright shining star wow, this is an interesting one who's the star of this movie Because I I think there's three, I want to say four fantastic performances. I think, you know, Penny kind of gets much more screen time at the beginning and she kind of fades into the background a little bit towards the end. But she's really great at like weighing the emotion that if she has a child, it's going to end her dancing career effectively and how she's really not ready for that. Jerry Orbach as Penny's father, I think it really delivers like a nice baby baby's father delivers a nice stern performance but I, you know those are the two secondary leads of the movie it's patrick swayze and jennifer gray show and they both kill it
0: i i think this is like a co-present honestly of the two of them i mean like jennifer's gray i mean like she you said she just had fierce people after this i mean her career didn't really take off in the way you'd expect it to um,
1: no it, it this... no it didn't um you would expect her to have had like a much more like flushed out but this is this is easily the the top of her career.
0: Yeah, it, it, apparently, like the famous story was that she got like a nose job and no one recognized her or something after that.
1: So. Uh, that would do it. Yeah, because like you know her, she's a beautiful woman, but her you know she doesn't have your traditional, like nose there. So I guess the actress making that decision, yeah, probably not, because that was such like a distinct style of her face that like made you immediately recognize her in movies.
0: Yeah, it, it's crazy. So, like, pretty much like 86 87 was like her sweet spot where she just had Bears Bueller. She just had this. And then after this, there's a movie called uh, Gandar. Never heard of *Blood of Bloodhounds of Broadway. Never heard of that. If the shoot fits, that was like the next three movies. And those are all movies that, like, I honestly never heard of until I just looked up her Wikipedia and entry. And, <laughs> so, just kind of rough right there. But Patrick Swayze, I mean, like, if we're talking about who benefited the most from this movie and who became the star from this movie. Patrick Swayze, the I mean, like, like point break after this just became Roadhouse, you know, became an action star after this
1: Steel and Dawn the- Ghost,
0: exactly. Yeah, so he just like pretty much worked off and off of this. So, um, I do shout out the soundtrack too. Uh, Timmy, you have a favorite song from the soundtrack?
1: Probably, uh, Do You Love Me? Do you yeah. love me?
0: I think that's that's my favorite too. That's by the contours, but you know, this uh, the soundtrack has like you know, the Ronettes. Frankie Valentine and the Four Seasons, really great, like Motown type music, like um, Otis Redding and the Drifters and like Solomon Burke Pride to me during their love scene. And then obviously the two 80s songs you always hear, still to this day on the radio, are uh, Hungry Eyes, which that song is catchy. And I've had the time of my life which has played at every single prom for the past like 35 years.
1: And probably <laughs> still is, but I haven't been to a prom since I was 18, so. Uh, now it's weddings it's. <laughs>
0: ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka
1: waka. Tommy, would dirty dancing work as a Muppet adaptation?
0: I can't imagine Muppets dancing would be that great, so I'm gonna go with no, but it'd be fucking hilarious to see him try and just like the hungry eye scene of just like instead of like it, it being like uh you know Jennifer Gray's like stomach game touch Patrick Swayze, it's just like hermit touching Miss Puggy Piggy's stomach or something like that, and they're, like trying to do a dance together.
1: So and we just keep Wayne Knight as the only human, correct?
0: Of course, of course. <laughs>
1: Just Wayne Knight, like at the end, like his Wayne Knights in the movie for a collective of two minutes total, but you just see Wayne Knight at, standing next to all these Muppets at the end doing like their the corny, like 1920s camp song or bass song or whatever that they sing for the end of the summer festivals. I, 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 I would be here for it.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: I would be here for it, but probably wouldn't be a box office hit.
0: Because you can't imagine the Muppets having that great choreography unless they're doing like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing where it's like guys in suits
1: the whole time. Yeah, I guess. But you know what? Disney, you've really put the Muppets on the shelf for too long. Verity Dancing is a big brand. Bring them bring back.
0: Well, not. Uh, they've fucking re- they remade this movie um, recently. Oh, they've done
1: it like a couple times.
0: Yeah. They did the sequel Havana Nights, which is probably one of the worst movies that are made, apparently. They did a remake on TV with Abigail Breslin. I forget who the guy was.
1: It was like but in 2017 or something like that, and it wasn't it, well received. People
0: said, like, this is a disgrace to the legacy of the original movie. It's like,
1: oh. You know what would enhance the legacy of this movie? Muppets.
0: Yeah. They're making a sequel, apparently. What? I, I just looked this up. Okay, sorry. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll touch up. But Jeffrey Grace going back, apparently.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, review time
0: Tommy <laughs> you're like I don't give a fuck about that part uh well this movie uh you know really shocked me in how much I liked it you know 35 years later I think it's celebrated so its 35th anniversary uh this month I loved it I loved it like almost every moment of it the music just caught me and I had goosebumps in multiple scenes and like I was even connecting to the characters to the point where I was crying in some scenes and like I said with the whole end of the movie of baby nobody puts baby in the corner I was like you go fuck yeah tell him I'm shocked about giving this, but I'm gonna give it a five out of five. This is an amazing movie, just really heartwarming, very endearing, and just like a great classic. Or you can see why this is a rewatchable for so many people today.
1: Yeah, this movie has incredible choreography. I think one thing we didn't mention was like the way that they use the film to kind of foreshadow things. Like we didn't touch on the Johnny and Baby dancing montage lessons, which is it's a long montage. It's like ten minutes of the movie. But it's a like, great montage though. <laughs> like, you know, we see the roughness and like the the lack of dancing chemistry between them. And then later on in the film, you'll start to see that come more and more like the same gestures, the same hand movements, which I think is like really great directing. It's really strong characters, like way stronger than you would ever think going into a movie like this. And it's really easy to connect with characters like this. And is definitely a big reason for the... In- during nature of the film. I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 5. Excellent movie, one of the iconic 80s movies that's going to live on for another 35 years at least. So Tommy, anything else you'd like to tell the audience?
0: So uh once again guys, thank you for listening. Uh you can follow us on social media at Pod. That's on uh, Twitter. Uh, instagram and tiktok um and then you can leave us a five-star review apple spotify wherever you listen to a podcast really helps it out um we're you know gonna have a great episode coming up next we're covering uh, the exorcist so that'll be interesting timmy's never seen it you scared you, you ready
1: <laughs> i i am scared tommy i i am scared i'm scared of what your reaction's gonna be god damn it uh no I'm looking forward to The Exorcist. It's actually been on my want-to-watch list for a while, so I'm I'm excited to watch it because I've heard just incredible things about it. So I'm excited to get my own opinion on it. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll see you all next week.